Well, hola. Good to see you guys. Um, as we move forward in time, just to let you know the, uh, the schedule. The schedule's kind of scarce here right now, but we do have uh, the Castanios here the first Sunday of March, whatever date that is, second, third, whatever it is, first. Uh, anyway, so a couple weeks from now, we'll have them in here. And uh, that will probably be the last people that we'll have in here from the outside in this building. Uh, that's kind of interesting. Boy, it's, it's getting kind of bittersweet in a way. We say, you know, the last thing here, the last thing here. And uh, uh, sure has been sweet in here. But I think it's going to be sweet over there as well. God is really starting to show us a lot of cool stuff. We've had a lot of fun working on the new building. If you haven't been a part of that, uh, you should just join in. Uh, we're the last couple of Saturdays or two or three Saturdays in a row. Uh, we literally have been like Joel's army. It's just been wave after wave. Everyone staying in their lane, just doing the stuff right in front of them. And uh, it's been pretty amazing to see the, the work that we've done over there. It's really starting to take shape. And we've got a lot more to do. But everyone's doing their part, and that's a blessing. I think you're going to get a blessing because you're part of it. Um, so if you have any questions about what you can do, just see somebody around you and ask, are you involved? And they'll lead you to the right person to get you involved as well. Uh, anyway, end of that little promo. Uh, we're, our target date is... Uh, We'd like to have the thing ready by Easter, and uh, I'm not sure that we'll actually have a service there on Easter or not. Uh, probably not, but maybe. Uh, we probably will do our last Easter here, here. How about that? And uh, well, maybe not. We'll see. I, uh, I know that one thing that God has been having me do for the last several months is to remind this church of what this church is. Uh, several, well, two years ago, the Lord uh, came to me and told me, it's time for you to write your Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy was the last book that Moses wrote. He wrote it 30 days before he died. And I've been through all that. I'm, you know, I'm not going to go through all the details of that. But, you know, what, he, what God was telling me was, it's time for you to remind the people of where we have come from and how we got here. Who are we? Well, we are what we have historically experienced. Our life experiences become our testimony and, and it fulfills what we were called to be. The Bible is very clear. There's a purpose for your life. It was in the heart of God before there were ever, ever a, a, any creation at all. It was in his heart. The things which he had purposed for your life. So he placed every single one of you where he wanted you, when he wanted you there. So you're all here. And uh, now we look back. Like Deuteronomy was actually a repeat of the previous books of the Bible that Moses had written. But this time it was written with a view of history for the next generation. So as they moved into the promised land, they would remember what had gone on so they wouldn't repeat the mistakes and they would learn the lessons of the previous generation. So I feel like we're sort of doing that in a way, reminding you what this church is so that as we move, we will fulfill even more what God has called this church to be. So that's why we bring prophets out here. 
We are a prophetic church. We are a spirit-filled church. God has desired to have that sort of work in this town for a long, long time. Preceding me, preceding you. But we are now in the chain of events and of people that have, that God has orchestrated to bring a spirit-filled church and presence in a city that would even hear us. And they do hear us. This should literally be, Andrew should be literally, the whole city, a city of people who trust God, a city of refuge. That was the whole point of the name that God gave me when he changed the name of this church. So we're, we're seeing another level of it now, a new, a new time frame, a new chronos, 40-year period. The Jews that left Egypt show us two different chronoses, two 40-year periods. The first period was when they left Egypt and went into the wilderness. They should have went into the promised land, but they didn't because of unbelief. They failed. The next generation learned the lessons of the previous generation. They entered their 40-year period, and they did enter the promised land, and they took it. God has done that for this people. I think that back in Lake City of 2017, we literally crossed over into the promised land. And we've been sort of camping there, waiting for God to do what else he wants to do before we move into it. And we are there right now. And so we're going to do some more teaching on that. Now, when we when we move over there to the other building, my, my uh, desire is that for all the prophets who have been a part of the church, uh, come back to the church that day. We should have a big hoedown. And, uh, I mean, these, these guys all want to come. They can't wait to come and, and rejoice with you guys when we get there. Okay. So we're, we're in the process of getting it done and, uh, and y'all continue to work like you've been working and it will be done in time. Now, <clears throat> a spirit filled church is the city of refuge. That means that we allow the Holy Spirit to be the Holy Spirit. He is supposed to lead us. He is supposed to do what Jesus said he would do, which is guide us into all truth, truth that we don't know yet. He told his own disciples, there's much I still have to say to you, but you're not ready for them yet. But the Holy Spirit will come and he will teach you all things concerning me. And he will show you things in the future. Did you know that's one of the works of the Holy Spirit is that he will prophesy beforehand things that are to come. Now, a lot of the church world just flat doesn't receive that. I guess you, many of you have probably known that because you came from denominational churches, for example, that do not believe in that. If you tell them that God spoke to me, they look at you a little bit weird. Where's Rick? Rick's an odd person. He goes to the Methodist church, and yeah, he says that all the time, but he's a weird. That's why you can come over here and just blend. So, but that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it this way, my sheep hear my voice and another they won't follow. What does that say to you? You're supposed to be hearing God, right? Who does that for you? The Holy Spirit. He takes all the things that Jesus has, which is everything, and he speaks it to you. There are nine gifts of the Spirit. They are manifestations of the Holy Spirit when he's here. And many of them are vocal, prophecy. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, and on and on it goes. 
That's what the Holy Spirit does. So that's why we really encourage and have forever, since I've been here, the the, the ministry of prophets. Like Paul Castanos in two weeks. They come in here and they foretell things or they speak to things that are words of knowledge, foretell things, prophecy. And we have a whole list of people in here who had experiences where that, what I just said, is is true. They come in here and they have foretold things that happened before they happened. And we have experience that is true. So I don't have doubt about it at all. And it's powerful. That's the difference in a church like this. It brings a power to the table that you won't see elsewhere. So, with all that in mind, on December 29th, I had a dream. and God gave me a dream about what's coming in the next period of time, in this 40-year period, starting in the year 20. A prophetic dream, which if you, know, you want to know the scripture, go read Joel 2. It's not poor my spirit. And on all flesh. And your young men and your old men will see dreams and see visions. They'll have both those things. Foretelling things that are coming. Or things that are. So I believe that. I've seen it work. In this dream, the Lord gave me this word for 20. And the word 20, the number 20 literally means the complete or perfect waiting period. So that's what 20 denotes. A waiting period that has been completed and perfected. All right? And uh, this is the word he gave me for this year. Your waiting is complete. You have been with me all this time. You've been faithful. Therefore, fullness can come. That's what I heard. Fullness that can now come. And then he gave me a list of things that, of describing what fullness is. Six or seven things, the bullets. We have actually been talking about them. The last couple of weeks, when we started talking about trouble. It's another word for tribulation. One of the bullets on fullness is that you will have tribulation and perseverance. They go together. When tribulation comes, you have to persevere. You have to wait until you have victory. Or get what God wants out of that deal. And we've been talking about that. Now let me tell you about the word fullness. In the Hebrew, it is this word male. And it means to fill up something, to be full. Oh, here's another word for it, to fulfill. To fulfill something that has been spoken. It is the completion of a fixed time. Fullness is the completion of a fixed time. For example, uh, when a woman is pregnant, there's a nine-month period, the gestation period. At the end of it, it's over. It has been fulfilled. Okay? Um, it brings in, the, the idea of fullness brings in two different elements. The word itself that has been spoken about it. And the faithfulness of the God who spoke it. Both elements are brought in. And when God gave me the word for 20, he said to, to me, for you, you have been with me all this time. Therefore, fullness can come. You have been faithful. Know this. Your God also has been faithful and is faithful. And he will complete what he has promised you. That's fullness. Now, I didn't know all this stuff, all the definition when I got all of that prophecy. 
I went back and found it. Oh, my Lord, that fits. Sometimes it takes a long time before a word can be completed. Do y'all realize that? Prophecy sometimes takes a long time to get here. Look at Ezekiel. Ezekiel 12. In fact, some prophecies are still waiting to be fulfilled that were written in, I don't know, six or 700 B.C. There is one prophecy in the book of Isaiah that was fulfilled partly when Jesus came. And in the middle of a sentence of a prophecy that Jesus fulfilled, he cuts it off in the middle of a sentence, and the rest of that sentence is still yet to be fulfilled. But it will be. So we've been waiting about 2,600 years. But it will be fulfilled. So you got to be a little bit careful when you judge prophecies. Don't be quick to judge it. You wait for it. If it's from God, it will speak. It will speak when it's ready. We don't control that. So, But there are times where we get a little tired of waiting. And many of you older folks in here, you are what I call wilderness babies. You spent your entire spiritual life in a spiritual wilderness. You got out of Egypt. Rick, you got out of Texas Tech, right? What did you do there? You got drunk every day. Okay. And all of us get highs. You know, you got out of Egypt. But to say you got into the promised land is a little bit of a stretch. We have spent our whole lives waiting for all these amazing prophecies that have been given to be completely fulfilled. And we're still waiting. But fullness means now it's time. And you see that in Ezekiel chapter 12. He had the same issue with the people of that day. Verse 26. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, Look, the house of Israel is saying the vision that he sees is for many days from now and the prophecies of times far off. Therefore, say to them, thus says the Lord God, none of my words will be postponed anymore, but the word which I speak will be done, says the Lord. That right there is a now word for us. That is fullness. They've been lingering out there, but you just get ready. In fact, I'm starting to see a bunch of them right now. It's wonderful. Folks, I've been through times like this before with God where he starts doing restoration issues. There's nothing like it. Expect to be happy. All right? For some of you, I don't know what you're going to do with that. You know, you got your smile upside down. If we can't change that, we're going to make you start walking on your head. You're going to start standing on your head. So we, don't, we think you're smiling. It's coming. It is here for many of you already. You got, a lot of, you got a lot of proofs in that as well. Now, one of the elements of, of fullness, I said he gave me several, is, is trouble. Trouble and, or tribulation, same word, Greek and Hebrew. Uh, we see the, the issue of trouble. We've spoken about this the last two weeks. Uh, go to the scripture we've been using. It's Psalms 138. Now, so, this was actually given by an apostle over in England that I met up with back in September. Really kind of blew me away. This, this guy's different. Uh, Russell DuBose. Very good guy. Anyway, uh, he got this. Uh, 
the same time that I got the prophecy for uh, 20, the year 20, he, uh, the same day or the next day, he hit the hospital. And his entire system went septic, or septic, septic that sounds bad, sepsis. You can say the word septic, can't you? It sounds like a septic tank, but basically the same thing. And many of his major organs started shutting down. This is sometimes the price of prophecy. You pay for it. You pay for it. It's the sufferings of Christ being perfected in us for your benefit. It's crazy. Anyway, he got this word. It fit what God was giving me like crazy. Verse 7, though I walk in the midst of trouble, tribulation, you will revive me. Great word. You will revive me. You will give me life. You will restore me to health. And you will place me into the fullness of life in divine favor. The fullness of life in divine favor. All right, guys, so in trouble, in that time, here's the promise. This is where the promise of health and healing starts coming in. There's where you will meet me, and that's how you will meet me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies. There's warfare going on during that time. And your right hand will save me. I love verse 8 as well. The Lord will perfect or complete fullness that which concerns me. So the things which he has, still has to do in my life is going to start coming together now. Now a lot of them have already been done, but there's still some to be done. He is going to start doing that. And many of you older dudes are going to start seeing a lot of things you've been waiting for start to come to pass. It's really a neat, neat time. So the, the fullness of life is something he promises us. It perfects us, completes us. Look at Psalm 20. We see trouble one more time there. Psalm 20. Verse 1. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. So we got the same time frame. The day of trouble. The day of tribulation when it's really a hassle. So in this time we pray. And here's our prayer. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May he send help you help from the sanctuary. And strengthen you out of Zion. May he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice. I want to say that. I want to highlight that scripture for you older folks. May God remember all the things you've done over these last several years for him. He didn't forget them. He stored them up for answering later sometimes. May he remember them in the time of trouble. Verse 4. And may he grant you according to your heart's desire, and fulfill all your purpose. There's your word, fulfill. Bring it to completion. All your purpose. We will rejoice in your salvation. And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill, word again, fulfill all your petitions. So it's in a time of trouble that we connect up to the word fulfill. And so that's kind of what God told me. I didn't realize these scriptures backed it up, but they do. This is a time of fullness. 
that God starts bringing up, okay, this is why tribulation hit your life. And this is what I'm going to do because of that. Well, but it's in the time of trouble. I, I think it's good right now to take a moment and remind you some of the uh, elements of the time of trouble and see if this ministers to you. It can describe a woman in travail for her firstborn. So a lot of this doesn't matter to you. But your firstborn. I'd like to ask everybody in here without you actually telling me. How was it with your firstborn? Awful. Who said that? Kim. Did you freak out before you got there? But it was awful. <laughs> that reminds me of that, that current commercial. I like that commercial with the raccoons. Here, taste this. It's awful. I know. But you want your husband to, he did this to me. Gosh. They have, they definitely have lightened the load in today's technology concerning that. You know, it's not as bad as it used to be, ladies. They'll dope you up and all that good stuff where you don't even know what's really going on. But back in the old days, in the day of floppy disk, I'm telling you, we walked miles in the snow to have a baby. Right? So that's the feeling of trouble. Not just while it gets here, but before it gets here. You start counting out in the days. Oh, my God, we're fixing to blast off. It's also the feeling of someone who is an old wineskin and they're getting mended. You think that sounds good? You know how they do that? You know how they restore an old wineskin? They turn it inside out and get this instrument and they scrape it. That sounds like fun. It would really sound like fun if you knew that before they started doing that. That's the feeling that you get. Like, oh my God, i got to go through this if you want to be used by God. That kind of feeling. Trouble. It is the emotional response and a strong emotional response. Number one, when you're being pressed by your enemies. Or, number two, when you are meeting the consequences of your bad choices. I like that one. Like, uh-oh. You mean all this stuff is catching up to me? Yep. Y'all remember back in the days of the halfway house when we had all these guys coming in here? They cracked me up. Because we'd get, we'd get them a driver's license. Most of them had never had a driver's license. But they had had many cars. Which they didn't really own. But they used them until they got tired of it. So the consequences of your bad choices comes upon you. They, oh my God, trouble. And a strong emotional response to that. Bad choice time. You're reaping what you have sown. So what I want to say about that is the wrong choices kind of comes to this thing. The hustle. The hustle. We had a prophet come here. I think her name was Janine. And she called out the hustle. Y'all remember that? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so we have another round for you. You'll love second, the second round. No, I'm not doing the second round. The hustle. 
God, that was like, I made every man in here nervous. I'm speaking for men that I haven't even talked to, but I know how it made me feel. Shut up. In your face. Don't do that. But it was the Lord. And so, bad choice when you try to hustle. And all men, I say that sort of, in some degree, are hustlers. Am I right, guys? Most guys hustle, especially when you get into the dating game, right? Or trying to make a living, you hustle. It's the con. And so the prophet called it out on this thing. And so on the day of trouble, the day of the hustle being called out, you should be praying that God fulfill things. Get me out of the mess I've made. In fact, if you look up to verse 1, notice notice to whom this prayer is going to. Because I think it will bring it to your, you'll see what I'm saying. Verse 1 May the Lord answer you. Now that word for God is Jehovah. The Hebrew is Jehovah. And Jehovah stands for the God who redeems you. Another way of saying it in the West Texas vernacular, he is the God that saves your sorry leader from your sorryness. He pays the price to bail you out. He buys the problem. For you. He redeems you from all your iniquities and sins. Okay? He, re- he, he redeems it. He pays for it. So the prayers to the, the God who prays, for, who pays for my stuff. And, in the next line, may the name of the God of Jacob defend you. Different word for God here is Elohim. And it's not just the fact that the name has changed. It's the God of who? That matters to us today. The God of Jacob. Jacob. Interesting character, Jacob. Because if there was ever a hustler, it would be this man. Oh, you sore generation. Did y'all not read about Jacob in the book of Genesis? His whole name means trickster, swindler, supplanter. Does that mean hustle to you? I think so. And he lived it, did he not? So what can we learn from Jacob that would help us today? Especially in light of the prophet calling out, the days of the hustle are over. Okay? What can we learn? Well, let's learn something. Let's go to Genesis 27. And I want to assume that you guys know Jacob's story. That's nice to be able to say for the first time that you guys have actually read the story. How about that? He started off young, being born. He was already doing his name. Y'all remember how? He wasn't supposed to be the, the firstborn. He grabs the heel of his Twin, have I got, have I got the stories right? Yeah, okay, thank you. Just a test there for y'all. And pulls his brother back. (laughs) 
What a deal. And so he continues on this way. And they were completely different boys. I mean, one of them, one of them was a, a, guy, a man's man, Esau. Loved to hunt, fish, and, you know, smell bad. Jacob was more introverted and all that kind of stuff. His mother loved him. So it gets time for their father to give out the blessing. And the blessing in the, in the Old Testament days, they actually gave the firstborn double blessing and then the second, the third, and the fourth, or whatever, the same amount. The reason was is the firstborn would have the responsibility of taking care of the family, as, as it were. And so he, had, he needed more to be able to take care of all that extra stuff. Well, you know what Jacob did? He sent his, his, his brother went out to hunt. So while he was gone, he got some animal skin, put it on his arms. I guess his brother was real hairy. He wasn't. And made some food that his father loved that his brother used to make for him. And I don't know, was, Jacob couldn't see it. I mean, his father couldn't see very well at that time, right? So he sneaks in there and at a time where he really couldn't see and let him grab his arm, make sure it was Esau, and gave him food he loved and said, now bless me. He thought he would, his father was blessing Esau. But Jacob instead got Esau's blessing. He got the double blessing. What a great hustle. He won. Right? He won. Yeah, he paid for it. So let's pick it up where he pays for it. Genesis 27, verse 41. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand, and then I will kill Jacob. There's your fruit right there of the hustle. You may win, but boy, you have planted some seeds of despair for later. So what did Jacob do? He ran. Smart guy. One good thing about a hustler, he knows when he should run. Right? Get out of there. So he did. And his brother kind of helped him. And away he goes. So chapter 28, verse 10, Jacob's running. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head and he lay down at that place to sleep. Then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven. And there was the angels of God were descending and ascending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What is that? God just gave him Abrahamic, the Abrahamic blessing. You would think it would go to Esau. But the father got got deceived and gave it to Jacob. And now God shows up. And this is what's crazy about being a hustler. Occasionally God will show up and bless you. And it will confuse you. And you will think that God didn't care that I ripped this guy off because he's blessing me right now. It is confusing. I'll give it to you. And you say, no harm, no foul. 
Right? I won't see Esau ever again. It's all good. And things are going my way. Because God has already given me something. Really. That I don't deserve. So he gets the blessing. He, he gets the blessing. And a promise of a covenant. So he has his covenant. Look at verse 15. And God says also, I am with you. And I will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land. Which land is that, folks? It is the promised land. The promised land. For I will not leave you. (laughs) This line kills me. I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. So, he makes him a promise. I'm going to bring you back to this promised land. Jacob should have thought that through. 16, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head. He set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow. And folks, this is, you pay attention to this part. He made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and give me bread to eat, clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I've set as a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. I'm just saying that for this reason. If you want to walk in fullness of covenant with God, you better face up to the issue of tithing. That's one-tenth. You cannot walk in the fullness of the covenant with God and not tithe. Now, I know that many people give portions of the tithe. They give a little of the tithe. And that will work for you to a certain degree. I'm not, not dissing it completely. But there will come times where you would wish that you had the whole tithe given to God. Because he will bring the wholeness of the covenant to you. Amen? It's the reality of it. And I, I've always been kind of a, um, lenient in a sense. I, uh, I don't try to push that too much when you're younger. I think you need to learn this and grow into this. But you need to grow into this. And those kids at the back, hey kids, girls, stop it. So, anyway, you need to, uh, uh, you need to grow into it, is my point. Don't, you're not fooling anybody. Now, but you need time to grow. And, but there's a time where God will come to you and say, are you, are you robbing me? And he came to people who were given some tithe. They weren't given all of it though. He says, you bring the whole tithe into my house and see if I don't pour out a blessing from the windows of heaven that there's not even room enough for you to receive it all. Well, how can you believe that? By faith. By faith. I've heard so many testimonies. We got a million of them in here. The people that started that, they'll tell you now that it's true. But it never looks good when you start out. Amen. Into that promo. So anyway, he got, he has a covenant with God and he's, he's following it. And, uh, now 21 years later, Genesis 32, he goes off to a place and gets a couple of wives. And continues to rip off people, by the way. 
He continues to rip off people like his father-in-law. I'm not sure how smart that is. But it worked for him. He became a rich man because he ripped off his father-in-law. And he's so good at it by now that you can't really say that he did something technically wrong. There was no law here that he broke. He just sort of used the system. He hustled. You know, when it was time to split the cattle and stuff, he said, you take the speckled ones and I'll take the pure ones. Or bad. No, you take the pure ones because everybody wants the pure ones. I'll take the speckled ones. And so when the, when the bull would come into, you know, to mate with the, with the cow, he would put a speckled rod in front of the, of that bull. And I don't know why this worked, but it worked. Most of the, of the offspring were speckled. He became rich. Now his father-in-law was ripping him off too. And so why, why I bring that up? It just brings up the point that what you sow, you will also reap. If you're a hustler, you will be hustled. That much I know. I, well, why would I know that? <laughs> because? <laughs> just because. Genesis 32. 21 years later, he's a little bit older and hopefully a little bit wiser. Verse 3. Verse 3, yeah. Jacob sent men. He's going back to the the promised land, by the way. He's headed back home. Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded him, saying, Speak thus to my lord Esau. Thus says your servant Jacob, I have dwelt with Laban, and stayed there until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male and female servants. I have to sit to tell my Lord that I may find favor in your sight. Then the messengers returned to Jacob saying, We came to your brother Esau and he also is coming to meet you with 400 men. Does that sound like good news? <laughs> this sounds like bong, bong. Ask not for who the bell toes. The bell toes for me. The day of the hustle is payback time. The guy says, I want to kill you, is bringing 400 guys with him. I think he's serious. And, of course, this good news finds Jacob. Keep reading. So Jacob was greatly afraid, verse 7, and distressed. (laughs) I would be too. And he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two companies. And he said, if Esau comes from one company and attacks it, then the other company which is left will be, will escape. He is still hustling, isn't he? He's a smart guy. By the way, hustlers are smarter people than most people. Just saying. They always get busted too. Because <laughs> the Bible says this, with the, with the shrewd, God will show himself shrewd. He will set a trap for you, and you will fall into it. Verse 9, then Jacob says, now this is very interesting, because Jacob starts falling on his covenant with God and the promises of God. When you get to your time of trouble, find your covenant. That's big. You should know what your covenant is, and you should be walking in it. That's why I mentioned the deal about the tithe. 
Verse 9. Oh, God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your family and I will deal well with you. I'm not worthy of the least of all your mercies and all the truth which you've shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now they have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. For I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with my with the children. For you said, now here he goes. This is a good prayer, folks. You remind God what he has promised you. Now, you may not feel perfect. You won't. But that doesn't change what God said. And God is faithful to his own word. Trust me on that one. And he is reminding God what you said. You said, verse 12, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So he lodged there that same night. And he took what had came to his hand as a present for his Esau, his brother. Now he's going to try to get it right with the one he hustled. He gives his brother uh, Esau a present to offer restitution for what he has ripped off. And it mentions all the things he gives, camels and colts and cows and and on and on and on. He is giving restitution for what I have done to this guy. Here it all is back to you. That's a bit of of wisdom right there. And then, let's see, where are we going with this thing? Verse... uh, he said, you guys all go there and give Esau all this stuff. Verse 19, he commanded the second, the third, and all who followed the drove, saying, In this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him, and say this, Behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him. That's the word, Hebrew word for atone. Atonement. I want to take away the sin of it. I was wrong. How many times do we have trouble saying that we were wrong? Try every time. But what I'm seeing here lately, folks, with the hustlers, is they're saying, you know what? I was wrong. That really warms my heart. Because you're on the right path now. You're getting there. I was wrong. And if you're saying that you were wrong, you're also saying, that's me. Because it was me who did it. You can't divorce yourself, who you are, from what you do. Amen? You get it? So don't say, well, you know, I was drunk. Have you ever used that excuse, hustlers? Oh, you can't hold that on me. I was drunk. Okay, only nobody. Okay. I've used that one. Um, I was stoned. I was whatever. And you're trying to put conditions upon your repentance. Bad idea. Belly up to the bar and get it all out. This is all of it. Just get the atonement going. Well, then he has to meet his brother. And verse 22, this is before he meets his brother, he runs into his God. Verse 22, he rose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, his two eleven sons and crossed over the fort of Jabbok. He took him and sent his, and sent them over the brook and, and over, and sent over what he had. And then Jacob was left alone, verse 24, and a man, capital M, wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Now, Hosea tells us that that man was the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord is just another way of saying God himself incarnate here. So he is wrestling with God. 
25. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, the angel touched the socket of Jacob's hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And the angel said, let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. This guy kills me. (laughs) Unless you bless me. So the angel said to him, what is your name? I suggest you read that scripture in the Amplified Bible. It is great. There it says, for the first time it seems like, Jacob realized just what he was. Because when you say, what is your name? It's not just, oh, well, I'm Larry. No, 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 it's deeper than that. He's saying, really, who are you? What do you stand for? What's your character? How deep do you go? What have you done in life? He's basically asking him to rat out himself. And then the Amplified says, and with horror, Jacob realized what his name was and what he had done. He said, with horror, my name is Jacob, a hustler, a swindler, a trickster, a rat thief. That's not in the Amplified, but that one was pretty good. So he's getting out. He's not giving excuses. He's putting it out there. This is who I am. And it's realizing, I don't want to be like that. But I need help. Because I've lived this way for, he's about 60 years old now. At what point do you change, folks? The clock is running out. Before you give it up and say, God, put Christ in me, the hope of glory. And let him live in me now. It's Christ who lives. Not me anymore. I'll, I'll fall down. But he'll lift me up and change me. So he realizes who he was. And he says, oh, my name is Jacob. And 28, the angel says, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. In other words, you have now become one who will contend with God for for men. Instead of ripping off men. Your own God's son now. And then Jacob asked him, so tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it you asked my name? And he blessed him there. And so Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, which means the face of God. So, you know, he saw the face of God. He saw God. He dealt with that thing all night long. And then he walked away and he had a limp in his hip from that point forward in his life. Always reminding him how much this costs to redeem a soul. It's costly. All right, one more of these. Genesis 48. At the end of his life, it is time for Jacob to go to his maker. And so it's time to do for his sons what his father had done for him. Pass the covenant and the blessing on to the next generation. I want you to pick up verse 15. He's speaking to one of his sons and and his boys. He blessed Joseph and said, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me all the my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. So this is sort of a formula blessing, folks. He is invoking the names of God. 
So let me just do it again. Elohim, who's always walked with me. Elohim, who has always fed me. And the angel. So he's invoking the Trinity. He's saying that, that, that last one was God. And the angel who has redeemed me from all evil. What evil? My own hustle. My own fruit from what I have sown. He's always redeemed me. Who does that for us? Jesus. He's the one that redeems you. He paid the price. And he was living in you where you don't have to live that way anymore. Now, I've seen some hustlers get caught this last week. It's been really amazing. It's all over the place. And they're responding the correct way, and they're starting to get blessed. It's amazing. Part of the whole experience with God that you must have is not just find out how what a rat you've been, but what a great God he is, and that he will restore you and heal you and make you a spokesman for him. So look what he says here. He, he says, Elohim does this. Elohim does this. And, and the angel does this. And then verse 16, the angel who's redeeming from all evil, bless the lads. And, and there's another thing you can add to the blessing. Let my name be named upon them. In the name of my fathers, Abraham and, and Isaac. So it's interesting. When you walk through this with God, then when it's time to bless, not only are you invoking the names of God and, and those of our, our inheritors, but your name comes to the plate as well. Your testimony matters. You can give to someone what you have purchased. Like James and John at the Gate Beautiful. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I have, I give to you. Rise up and walk. The guy got healed. So there's power in your testimony. And that's part of what fulfill really means is to fulfill your walk, your calling. One more scripture, Joshua 5. Now, one of the things that God has done typically in this church is he will give a prophetic word. You will find it in the Bible. And then you just follow the Bible. And in this way, God will show you where you are in the spiritual working that he's doing in you. He's done this with us for 40 years. I've got so many examples of this. I, I, I don't even try to explain it anymore. This is what we do. We are led by the Spirit, and he brings the Word into it so you know it's the Spirit. It has to be confirmed by the Word, or you're lost. And this is the second time in a row in the last two weeks he's led us to this Scripture based upon hearing the prophetic Word, tracing it out in the Word, and it, you end up in this chapter. And why is this chapter important? This is when they have crossed the river Jordan. They are at a place called Gilgal. And because the second generation has not been circumcised, they have not reached in and, and taken the covenant yet, he circumcises the second generation. Sword generation, this is you. That's why the hustler is being busted all over the place in the sword generation. You're being cut. How's it feel? It hurts. I wouldn't want to be circumcised at your age either. Now, all you older dudes, you know, spiritually you've been circumcised, even the women, in the right sort of way. You get my point. It's a spiritual thing of the heart. Cut the, cut the foreskin of your heart. Quit living for you. That's what it really means. Quit living for you. 
And God's got to cut that away from you. He's doing it right now. Right now. And so when he is in the day of trouble, when he when the reality comes in, you've got to be cut. And then he heals them. He heals them. And after he does that, and this is right before Easter, by the way, when this experience takes place, right before Easter. What is our date now? Right before Easter. It's weird how the prophetic word comes to pass in the most amazing ways. Thank you, Janine. And after they do all this, they get verse 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was out, was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and looked and behold, a man stood. That's the same word. The angel stood. Opposite of him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and said, are you for us or for our adversaries? And the angel said, neither or no, not either one of you guys. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and he worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? You can tell this is God because he wasn't rebuked for worshiping an angel, a created being. He was worshiping God who creates angels. He falls on his face, begins to worship, and asks him, what do you say to me? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandals off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. So, <clears throat> here we are. This is where we are, prophetically. We're about to take on our Jericho. Has something to do with that building over there. I, mean, I can't say the building is Jericho. I don't know what it means, except that we're going there. And this is where God has us. And so I rejoice because I've seen these younger generations like you guys. What happened to you this week? Did you get a job? job. You got a job. And there's more. I can, I, I got like six of them. He's one of them. Where God has come in and prophetically called out the hustle. And it was unpleasant. Thank you for making me unpleasant that day. It made me feel bad. Not for you, of course, but for me. <laughs> for every guy here. Get off of this subject. <laughs> In your face. But I will say this to you, Thomas. Here's how God works. He rebukes most people privately. But leaders, he rebukes them publicly. That is the truth, son. And you know why? Because you had a higher calling, much more is expected, and everybody needs to fear God. And one way to do it is make sure the leader of their people gets it right in the shorts. So they won't do the same stupid stuff. So God bless you. You should be leading. Who was the other one? Billy Boy. Think he should be a leader? Y'all got that, right? I mean, <laughs> word picture. And I have others. I kid you not. Where God is moving on them. I'm calling it out. You can't do that anymore, Jacob. Becoming Israel. Amen? 
The army of the Lord is waiting. And we're going to have some victories. We, we've had teaching on the army of the Lord. That's part of the fullness, by the way. There's another one of those books. We've talked about that. Get in your place and you do not break rank. Walk down your lane. Amen? That's enough of this. <laughs> Let me pray for you. And don't stand up. I mean, circumcision hurts. You gotta, gotta deal with what you gotta deal with. Father, I pray for all of them. We all need to be healed, God, of something. And these younger ones are really facing up to what the covenant is all about. It's a lot of fun, but it costs you. And it's time to grow up. Be men and women of faith and of covenant who can walk in the army of the Lord and take down things that matter to God. Not just us, but to God and to his kingdom. So I bless them in the name of Jesus and I ask that you would heal them all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Tonight we're going to worship.